0: Oh, finally.
1: (laughs) This is the craziest app on the face of the (laughs) planet. All
0: right. Well, whatever it takes. (laughs) Here we are. Thank
1: you so much. I appreciate (laughs) this.
0: No problem.
1: Welcome to Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast, where amazing things happen, including technology (laughs) difficulties. There you go. Um, yes, I, I, I've been kind of following you a little bit, um, on Chris's, um, uh, fluency podcast.
0: Um, oh, there you are. Okay. That's where you, you found me.
1: hmm And also, um, Langfest.
0: hmm Of course.
1: As well. And then I think, didn't you write a book about, um, teaching, um, um, kids, um, languages? Like, as I- a parent?
0: Uh, absolutely i mean i think my uh my specialty is 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 there it's about raising multilingual children so mm-hmm. i did write a book uh, about oh well, i think it's about four years ago now uh it's called uh pampers to polyglot A <laughs> good friend of mine gave me that that title i was i was very nice so pampers to polyglot uh, seven, seven ideas for raising multilinguals like me and then i named it as such because that's it's really a a copy of how I was raised, so mm-hmm. I, I tried to synthesize everything I knew uh, from first-hand experience into seven applicable uh, ideas that, that others could uh, draw from.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I I I know I heard a little bit of your story on uh, Chris's podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, uh, I mean, what was that like, you know, growing up with, you know, a Japanese parent a Chinese parent and in the of, you know, uh environment. I mean, I know what it is like it, monolingual. So.
0: Well, uh well, it's it's a, it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know how to put it otherwise and that is why I'm doing the same for my children. Uh, I, I think growing up with uh, different languages really allowed me to have different uh, perspectives on things. Uh, as I grew up, even though as a child, I mean, I have had noticed or uh, understood all the the advantages and, and uh, you know the the benefits of growing up with different languages. Uh, but definitely, uh, as I grew up, you know, became students uh, and learned other languages on my own. Uh, I've really come to appreciate, uh, you know, how what my parents had done for me, uh, without me even noticing. So as I grew up, you know, as I was, as I became aware of my myself as a as a living being, I guess I, I already had a few languages in my in my head. So I don't remember when I started to learn you know Japanese or when i started to learn mandarin or anything like that you know, i already <laughs> knew them by the time i i, I was self conscious uh and and uh, so so i i guess i wouldn't know well, what it what it means to really be monolingual other than the fact that when i learn a new language that i don't know uh th- there are that those moments where you know i guess you you, you feel this isolation uh, if you 're in a group of, of swedish speaking people' <laughs> an experience that I had <laughs> uh, when I was uh, in Spain uh, yeah, it does you know, feel like you you 're not catching up to to the discussions so so I, I guess I had a, the advantage of of, of a wider uh, perspective uh, on life as I grew up.
1: That's interesting because I grew up in a monolingual home. And, and most African Americans, we speak English. We'd mm-hmm. be lucky if we learn like a second language like during J or high or high school. But I, I pretty much uh, my second language I learned American Sign Language when I was little. Oh, okay. And um, my mom put a book in my hand like when I was like four. Mm-hmm. So um, because I was born visually impaired mm-hmm. I did mostly large print so she made sure everything was big coloring books and books and crayons and you know because I still have a vision readable vision okay out of one eye and so she they focused a lot on the reading aspect for me and the writing aspect I did learn braille at like age eight but because I still had a nice amount of physical vision Mm -hmm. they pretty much capitalized on that and i hung out with a lot of like um, deaf people at the Mm -hmm. time and so i was fluent like six or seven in in sign language and of course when you finish like going to elementary school and you're not around those people anymore you tend to lose some of it i mean i still remember like some i would probably classify it like a1 just because it's been over thirty something years. <laughs> but, all right. But my first introductory into like foreign language is Spanish, and I really didn't learn it until I was like twenty three in community college, and it wasn't by choice because the co- the community college I went to, the campus only had Spanish from like uh, a ten twenty course all the way up to t- um, two twenty. Um, which would be considered in European scale, like A1 and B2. Okay. So basically you would probably learn everything about uh, the language and then you go on a conversational literature and all that. But I went all the way up to like the last course they had, learning everything auditorily. So Mm -hmm. they gave me a Como book and said, here's the book with the CDs. And I went down to the learning center and had people read to me all day. So. Well,
0: what do you, what is, um what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, Cause I'm a big auditory person right? yeah. in, in that, you know, uh when I think the most important thing for raising multilingual children mm-hmm. uh is in fact, the, you know, the auditory per, uh, aspects of, of language learning. Right. Uh So I don't, you know, they they like books, you know, like any any children would. Uh, so I do buy books uh, in the different languages that I teach them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they don't want to read, I I don't you know I don't force any drills on them. I don't mm-hmm. I don't do anything that that's um, how would I say active learning uh, mm-hmm. in in terms of you know doing doing questions uh, you know solving problems or, or you know reading. Uh, per se it's only if they are interested then I'll support that but otherwise what I do is really uh, a lot about uh, creating an environment where they will interact with people uh, speaking different languages and so so the technical term is called opal I guess you know you probably know uh, one person one language uh, and we have that uh, in our family I would uh, you know I would always speak Mandarin with the kids Mm-hmm. My wife being Japanese, she would always speak Japanese. Uh, and uh, we living in Quebec, they, they go to French, uh, element, uh, French elementary school and, and daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have au pairs from Mexico for, for Spanish. So so essentially, they would speak different languages to different people. They'd associate that. Uh, right. And I've been doing this ever since my first kid was born. That's so, awesome. so it, it's, it's, it's really about the input through, you know, right. uh, what they hear and and right. we make sure to create a habit for them to associate a person with a specific language and they just switch around and, right. and, and that's been their life uh, so far. My, my first kid is six years old and, and it's working out really, really well.
1: Yeah. I, I thought that was like awesome. Cause I was talking to Sharon Kennedy a few weeks ago when I interviewed her and she says she uses the same method. She mm-hmm. she doesn't speak English. Her parents speak English with their son.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Her husband speaks French with her, their son. And she speaks Chinese with their son.
0: Okay. Yeah. Chinese is
1: not her first language. Yeah. And I said, I thought about you when I was sitting up there having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I forgot his name, but he wrote a book on this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I said, I said, you know, the, she told me. She was like, yeah, I don't have anybody to, like, really relate to out here in California because no one's doing this type of thing. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I can see that. I mean, Spanish is so prevalent here in the U.S. It's Mm -hmm. not even funny.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, but I will say I found that um, talking to a lot of different people, Especially here in the African American community, a lot more African Americans are starting to learn other languages, wow. and they're really good. And I'm like, I mean, but I find them on YouTube. Okay. I don't see them on Facebook that often. All right. I find them on YouTube, and I mean, like, I'm like blown away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but I do have to say, as someone that's visually impaired, I my vision has deteriorated to the point where I can't read print anymore. So I that's all I do is listen. And I was able to teach myself Russian, Russian, um, I'm working in French, Dutch, and Italian at the moment, and I'm taking a stab at Norwegian, too. So. Okay. But um, pretty much, like, I'm the only one in my family that speaks like any other language other than English, and I've always had this big interest to be able to communicate with other people, and like from other countries, and I'm a big history buff. I studied theater in college and film, and so I said, you know, life is too short. Why not study Russian? And I, 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 <laughs> I, I did it. Without, Good for you. You know, any any money, and you know, I've met so many cool people as a result of joining the language learning community. Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: I was telling Chris. I said, well, my goal is eventually to start my own podcast because I have so many friends that they have. Comprehension problems mm-hmm. they they're born in monolingual countries where they don't have the opportunity to speak English. They learn British English, not American English, so when they want to talk to an American, we speak a little bit differently than the people over in Great Britain or Ireland mm-hmm. or, or whatever and so it's like I'm not sitting there looking at a computer um you know with a script in my hand trying to say x y and z i pretty much go i'm a very spontaneous person so mm-hmm. i go with the flow pretty much to yeah. see what happens and you'd be surprised how much you learn just by listening to what they're saying in their well
0: i uh, that i'm i'm not surprised at all i i think you're you're really doing the right thing uh i mean if you know anything about uh you know, Dr. Krashen, Stephen Krashen, hey. talk right. So it, it's it's a lot about the input, and it's also about what you're interested in, right. uh, and and so you know the input is 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 visual or auditory, uh, whatever you know whatever you, you think is necessary. Uh, and another thing about the auditory is, uh, uh, my wife, um, she's Japanese, and and uh, she came to Canada. Uh, so when we all moved back here to in 2015 she knew zero french uh mm-hmm. but she but she uh, she's also been you know learning and and she does a lot of you know just watching uh the local tv <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you know she she watches it on uh, with an app on on her on her tablet and mm-hmm. it comes up with all the uh the the subtitles and everything so and right. and and she's making you know tremendous strides uh, you know of progress uh with that so you know to each uh, their own but I, I do believe that auditory is uh, is a very important way to to learn
1: you know it's funny you say that too because of some i was i had emailed um uh, susanna um uh, yes. to be on the podcast mm-hmm. it, I would love to be on your podcast because I would love to know how people that are visually impaired and blind learn languages. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
0: down. she she, yeah, I, she also has a book about. Uh, yeah, she has she has a, uh, um, some visual uh, impairment. I forget what it was called. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm sure she could relate and, and give you did. some great hit, great, you know, pointers.
1: Yeah, because I, I know for me personally, like I. I know that I have talked to like a lot of people in the, in the polyplot world. self, yep. And it's interesting because I learned so much from everybody. You know, I've, I've only been involved in it for three years and, you know, I'm still learning and I tell people all the time, I say, you know, I'm certified to teach English as a foreign language. And so therefore I like working with immigrants, mm-hmm. but I also feel the need that you have to be able to communicate with them verbally. Yep. Um, what you need from them so if you even start off with an a1 a2 level just to get your feet wet in that language if you're talking to someone that doesn't speak english and they speak arabic as long as you can you can communicate what you're trying to say to them that that goes a long way and then on top of that people actually appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to learn their language Mm -hmm. and you're opening your brain up to like other people's cultures and I mean, cause I'm big on that. Like I come from a very multicultural family. Like we got everything in our family. You wow. it, probably have right. it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's good. It's a it's good resource that you could yeah. access.
1: Yeah. So as a result, I personally, um, you know, someone, a lot of people in the community asked me, well, how do you learn if your vision's from And I said, well, how did you learn your first language? Before you go to school, you learn about
0: you. Great answer. Great answer.
1: You know, and I mean, sometimes I have to sit there and, like, not react to it because mm-hmm. after I hang up, I just want to laugh because I'm like, wait, did they forget that
0: you're
1: here? I mean, you don't know how to read until you're about four. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, basically, all you're going to school for is to learn facts and, and connect the dots and learn, grammar, yeah. read, and write. You learn how to speak from the people that are around you.
0: That's correct.
1: So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're speaking Chinese, Indonesian, Russian, German. You're learning the same way. That's right. What what they fail to realize is when they get older, they forget that that's how they learned it in the first place. (laughs) Because they picked up all these other ways of learning. And so now they find... Maybe a visual way is a lot better, or maybe a kinesthetic way is a lot better. And I I tell people all the time, I say, you know, what's the hardest part is to be able to pronounce words correctly. And if you're not listening intensely to what is being said, whether it's on a tape, whether it's, you know, in a movie, a book somebody just talking to you you're not going to know how that's pronounced you're going to butcher it and it's okay to make mistakes but at the same time you don't want to ignore the pronunciation towards the end you want to do it in the beginning because that will save you so much time in the end in regards to comprehending what people are trying to say Mm -hmm. and so um and i find that (coughs) a lot of people do forget oh i gotta learn the pronunciation well done.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so but I am curious to know, like when like I mean aside from learning, you know, like having your home languages be Chinese and and Japanese, when were you like introduced to like English?
0: So uh, as I was mentioning about my kids, uh and, and how my methods for raising my kids are Basically, a copy of how I grew up. Right. Uh, I grew up in Taiwan with a Taiwanese father and a Japanese mother. And Taiwan <laughs> is, you know, uh, the official language is Mandarin, right? right. Uh, but they sent me to an American school, so oh, yeah. uh, so that's that's the introduction of English when I was about six, five or six. Okay, okay. Uh, and then uh, so I, so it went through. My elementary school in Taiwan mm-hmm. um, in English, <clears throat> so I never learned how to write uh, in Mandarin or, or the Chinese characters per se.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you do pick them up, you know, as you watch TV and, and read the newspaper and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I did learn how to read just by you know being there, living in Taiwan, um, and 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 now. You know, with with computers and whatnot, you're now I'm able to type it. So I don't. I, I still cannot write Chinese characters, but I can definitely type them out. Uh, and the same goes for Japanese. And oh, that's awesome. Okay, then comes French. When I when I came to Canada to do my secondary studies, um, and so I was 13. We, I, I came here to live with my aunt. Uh, and the rest is history. You know, I just uh, liked the the country so much that eventually, even my parents well, immigrated here. They moved over here. So, so that's uh, that, that's the addition of French. Uh, and then uh, after high school, I, I I thought you know I was going to visit a friend in Ecuador, and I figured why not just learn Spanish. You know, it's a very lighthearted decision uh and i bought myself a, a little you know set of uh cassettes <laughs> cassettes <And> it- <laughs> in those days it was Barron's uh with a four cassette uh package with a little grammar book in there so i went, i went through those um you know just day in and day out i had, I had it playing in my car and, and playing you know, by my bedside when i was going to sleep and you know, that's basically it that's how i studied spanish and went to ecuador uh, uh and and i couldn't use it so much when i was in ecuador but but when i came back i don't know it, it just all it just all sort of bloomed and i made you know spanish-speaking friends in in quebec city where i was at that time mm-hmm. and uh and and i learned a lot and, and one thing led to another uh spanish became one of my fluent languages i've you know i've even done some interpreter gigs uh mm-hmm. in that language so so there there's the story of my five languages english french japanese chinese and uh spanish i did you know uh, take a bite into german or italian uh at the university i did get my you know my intermediate courses you know, i got my a's but uh, academically studying those languages I, it didn't really get me too far. Uh, you know I'm not confident in those languages. I could maybe order a beer or two, but to, right. to really talk about philosophy and, 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 and you know, politics or econo- economics, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to use those languages. So:
1: Now so, that, that's interesting because I know here in Akron, we, we're called a safe city. So, like, if you're immigrating from, like, the Middle East or anything, we would never turn you in to, you know, ICE or anything like that. Mm. Um, And we have a, like, it's like the United Nations up in this town. Okay. Um, And the reason why I know that is because I volunteered for a year at Project Learn. And they help um, immigrants get their GED or get their citizenship or um, they help them with... um, getting like learning English, reading and writing and math. And so I volunteered my time in the ESL department. And I mean, you name the country, somebody was from there. And I got to practice a little bit of Arabic, a little bit of Japanese. and I mean, the very little that I know. (laughs) And, And my Spanish and some French and some Russian. And I mean, it was just amazing. These people, you know, they really, they came over here from some really bleak, in devastating um places, and they're very grateful to be here and be able to work and you know contribute to society, especially learning um you know English. It's like such a a big um thing for them. They take a lot of pride in that, and like there was a lot of people that were from like china and i I now I understand why they're as intelligent as they are because <laughs> they they liked the whole, you know, I want to study in the classroom setting. Yeah. So we had to go and we did like a scavenger hunt where we had three people in a group each and you had to volunteer with those people and they had to take a real map. They couldn't use their GPS. Mm-hmm. They had to <laughs> They had to go in a certain area of downtown and find certain places and ask for directions and write stuff down. So they had to use all of their skills, their language skills, in order to be able to find these places and come back and give a little speech about how it went. And they had like an hour to do it. And it was so amazing to sit Mm -hmm. and watch because it was me and my guide dog and I went with one group and we found everything. And they were just like really excited about wanting to uh, learn you know, and, and, and do a lot of output in regards to their English. And they had some comprehension problems, mostly over the phone, dealing with, you know, prompts on, tel- on um, you know, like different businesses, like if you're calling the fire department or you're calling a telephone company and they have the different prompts, you push one for English, press, you know, numero ocho for, you know, Spanish and whatever other language, whatever n- number. So, because they were talking at a normal speed. And I I took um, a lot of pride in helping these people. And when I left, they were all sad. So now don't leave. (laughs) But but I- Well, necessity
0: is definitely a a great motivator, I think. So these folks, uh, I suppose they they learn very quickly and very well, uh, given the necessity to survive yeah. the, in, right. in the new environment.
1: Yeah. And it's it's funny too, because they, they actually had a project at the end where they had to do a little presentation and write in English and give it up in front of the class and everything. And I even did a 30 minute presentation to explain to them like, you know, while I use my phone and why I use voiceover on my phone and why I have to have a braille display and why I have a guide dog and how much I can see and how much I can't see. And, and they were really, like, amazed because, you know, in some countries people that are disabled are shunned. And uh, especially if you're blind or visually impaired, you're mostly shunned. And so mm-hmm. it's it's very, you know, for them it was an eye-opener. And so I um, said to myself, you know what, I'm going to get my certification to teach English as a foreign language. And I did that in like nine weeks. And then I I decided, I want to I want to continue learning these languages because I want to be able to work with other people from other countries, you know, especially if it's the Middle East or Asia in particular. And then someone said, well, why do you learn Chinese? And I was like, I've, that will be the last language I decide to learn. Cause that's going to take, <laughs> that's gonna take I'm gonna, if I'm going to put my all into that, I'm going to do it for like a good two years. And,
0: mm-hmm. you know, cause
1: people say, you know, all the time, well, this language is hard. And it, I was like, I don't think so. I think life is harder. Life is harder. <laughs> I don't, you know, I look at it as I'm happy that voiceover can read subtitles. Now I can enjoy a movie, you know, a foreign movie in a language and have it read to me with the subtitles. And I don't have to strain to try to see something I can't read. I could just enjoy watching the movie and listening to it in that language and, and you know, um, um uh, you know, listen to Harry Potter or listen to whatever book I want to listen to in that language if I can find it in that language. Um however, when I sought the idea to, to create this podcast, I said, you know, I wanna bring on all kinds of people that have different learning styles and different mm-hmm. perceptions of learning language because I mean we're all we all learn differently. Yeah. And, and and but ninety percent of the time, people don't even realize they're auditory learners.
0: Like, yeah, well, it's uh,
1: and that's a surprise. It's a good and, observation. Yeah, and I mean, because I used to be all three auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. And the worse my readable vision gets, the more audio and the more you know tactile I become. Um, so for me personally. Um, I pretty much if if like for instance if I'm speaking French or I'm I'm, I'm using like I use Michelle Thomas um, courses for most of the languages I'm learning at the moment and because I find his approach to be very easy for me to deal with and then I go on the memories and, and I use the courses inside of there and you know I pick I've got to the point where now I just go for what it is I want to talk about. So the vocabulary, if I want to talk about politics, I learn that. If I want to talk about fashion, I learn that. If I want to talk about food, I learn that. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to learn every single word, because you're not going to know every single hey, word. Hey,
0: hey, well, that's, that's input hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. go after what you're interested in. So it's compre- It's compelling, comprehensible input, <laughs> I think yeah. is what
1: now I'm just curious. Do you subscribe to? I want to absorb as much content as I possibly can and then speak, or are you the type where I learn something, then I use it, then I keep going?
0: Um. Well, for, first thing, uh, I am no longer a an active language learner per se. Okay. Uh, I did do that during my, you know, my youth. <laughs>
1: Yes, right. but
0: but if I do go back to those days, and in those days I did not really do anything um, consciously. I, I just I just sort of did it, as in I I mentioned you know my my Spanish learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I reflect back on that, I I realized that you know, crashing uh, hypothesis, uh, you know the input hypothesis was right all along. It's just that I never. You know, did it? You know, um, actively.
1: Right.
0: Uh, I mean, consciously. Uh, but in fact, uh, that was what I was doing. I was reading a lot. Right. Uh, I was traveling, you know, and, and I was making friends, and I would want to read about, you know, their country and and their politics. And I would just pick up the books and and magazines and whatnot, uh, and websites, uh, uh, you know, in Spanish. And I and I I would be taking my 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 notes during classes, you know, whether it's biology, physics, and whatnot, I, I take the notes in Spanish. Uh, I just immerse myself in in, in Spanish uh, right. during those days, and and I think a lot of that reading did help uh, build vocabulary, uh, build yeah. a sense because I, I I was only after the content itself, uh, right. but forcing myself through the the interface of Spanish rather than English or, or any other language, and and so the compelling aspects of the, the content enabled me to push through and, and learn uh, the, the language well. I even had a Spanish-Spanish dictionary. So rather than doing a Spanish-English dictionary where I translated it into English so I could understand it, I used Spanish-Spanish. So so finding the definition of one word actually involved, you know, searching and searching and searching, going through that dictionary until it's like, right. oh, oh right. All worn out. So... To answer your question, I think I uh, I am both, but more favoring towards first input. Um, I, I guess uh, you yeah. need you need to build a certain level of of, right. uh, of vocabulary, but but I do just jump in after uh, the minimum uh, level is attained, and use and use read and read, right talk and I'm- talk.
1: <laughs> because I know for a fact, like, I'm one of those spontaneous people. So once I get enough input in my head, it's, well, if it's a new language, I've never learned it before. Yes. I mean, I knew five words in Russian. I know many more now. Hmm. And it, it'd be four years um, that I've been learning Russian independently. And I went through the whole, mm-hmm. okay, let's do input. And I mean, I did it for a whole year. I, I did nothing but listen to stuff for a whole year the news, everything in the Russian, every day, all day long. And people are like, wow, you're Russian, is good. I'm like, well, thank you. I mean, I still make mistakes. I mean, I'm, it's not 100%, you know, native fluent, but at this point, I really don't care. No, you know, it still doesn't I'm matter. Really, I, I'm just happy that I'm able to, people can understand what I'm saying. I mean... I knew I was I knew I was at a decent level when I could speak to someone that didn't speak English at all for two Mm. hours. Yeah. You know, and you you know, you've arrived when you've done that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I mean, they understood me just like I spoke to somebody for two hours in Spanish about nine months ago. And I, I will say this when you know you're fluent is when you might forget a word, but you can compensate with another word in order to be able to get your point across. And yep. I hadn't spoken Spanish in sixteen years. Yep. So that that says. Well, good right for here. you. I and I had this love-hate relationship with Spanish for years. <laughs> mainly, mainly because I lived in California for three years, and you know, I find that to be the Spanish capital of the U.S. next to Texas. Ooh. Yep. So yeah, but uh, I did have some negative experiences with trying to speak with people, and you okay. know, because it's breaking the English. Or they would say something like, well, you need to practice more. Or, well, if you don't live in a neighborhood where it's a high concentration of Latinos, you, you're you screwed. You know, this is before the internet was really jumping and, and all that. And, you know, I was just going off of what I had learned in college. And what saved me was I decided to just listen to music the entire time and sing along to Shakira, Ricky Martin, Santana, um, Jennifer Lopez, Christina Aguilera. Lara, and uh, Ricky Martin. And I didn't realize how much input I had until I started waking up, singing all their songs. I mean, I still listen to that same music as I did when I was younger, Mm -hmm. because I enjoy it. But, I mean, I actually enjoy the element of the culture, like the dancing, the food, the music, more so than I did speaking the actual language to people. And I think a lot of people, oh, well, if you, why don't you speak Spanish? Or why don't you, you know, because Spanish is ingrained over here in the U.S. like it's nobody's business. And I'm like, there's other languages. There are other people in this country that speak other languages. I want to, you know, I want to be able to communicate with them too, not just, you know, uh, uh, Latino American people. So, um, it. You either love Spanish or you like some part of it or you just don't do it at all. And Mm -hmm. I know in the education system, they push Spanish a lot. They're starting to push Chinese, too. And um, they're also starting to push German and some Arabic, too.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So because we have such high concentrations of these different, you know, people from these different cultures coming into the United States, especially from the Middle East. Mm hmm and if you can speak arabic you can make some serious money mm-hmm. um and you know they still want interpreters and i said uh, i won't be no medical interpreter for nobody cuz i'm not getting <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it's it you know now i, I was going to ask you um are you do you yeah. have any certifications in the languages that you know or...
0: are by... well it? uh oh, yeah. i've never done any of those uh european um, levels. I mean, in fact, I didn't even know what A1, A2, B1, right. B2 meant until uh, I got into the polyglot community three years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, Neither did I. I just, <laughs> so, and, 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 yeah.
0: so, but, but, in terms of you know, I guess qualification or, or credentials in each of the yeah. languages, um, I would just say, I mean, English is my first language. I've been educated in this uh, my whole life. Uh, so, so I, I guess I don't need a <laughs> <the> credential <laughs> other than that, uh, and French, I did my whole high school, uh, and my university, my, my graduate studies, uh, in, in French. So it is my second language in terms of Japanese. I did pass the, uh, what is called the, uh, JPLT, I think uh, the yeah. Japanese proficiency test. And I got the the highest level uh, yeah. for that, um, and for Mandarin, I don't, I don't have any certifications for that. No, I mean, I grew up in Taiwan, lived there for thirteen years, and that's my, you know, one of the first yeah. languages I learned. So, I, I, I guess it is what it is. Um, and Spanish, Spanish, I also don't have a certification, but I have worked as an interpreter on several gigs. So, what
1: what so, are your on the whole certification versus non-certification. Uh. There's a lot of people that <laughs> you know I mean like I, trust me I've applied for every single teaching job there is online and didn't mm-hmm. matter what, where if it was domestic or international and I got turned down and I had certification in English mm-hmm. to teach English and that's what I wanted to do. Okay. And they were like well you need more experience and I was like well how are you supposed to get experience if you nobody's willing to let you in the door? Mm. So, and but then you have people who they speak. I don't know. I'll say Romanian, German, and, and Indonesian. They might work for six months at a company and then they get hired, but they have mm-hmm. no patience to, to boot at all.
0: Well, uh, I I think I think this this would be a, a big debate. Uh, but if I can really, I, I guess simplify it down to how I see it. Right. A certification is, uh, is an official qualification, just like you, know, you have your university degree or, right. or whatever. So, so to somebody who has never met you and who's going to have to evaluate you on paper, it right. helps. Uh, right. But that said, if you're going to an interview and you're facing somebody and you have a chance to um, show your talents, I guess, uh, more directly, Right. Uh, than experienced talks, right? Uh, what you really know in a language uh, really shines in those instances. I mean, I know many, many Japanese who, who score like 900 something in, in their TOEIC and they can barely hold a conversation in English. Um, so so, so that, that's where it comes down to. Uh, how well are you, going, are you able to use that language and, and really uh, use it as, as a tool for whatever right. you need to do uh, if you want to teach a language then then I think uh, a certification will be quite important uh, to right. demonstrate that you have that academic knowledge right. you know, if you want to teach grammar you've got to show that you, you've passed those tests and you have that level of understanding in grammar uh, right. I'm not advocating that grammar is, is, is the most important thing in learning languages uh, au contraire but, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm just saying, if that's that that's the the standard that that you know language institutions are holding you to against, then <laughs> I guess you you need that to really get into the get in get even get to that interview uh, to begin with.
1: Right, because I mean, I I know for a fact, like after I got my certification, a month and a half later, I start looking for work, and they love my resume. I did the interview and we got more people with more experience and I said okay you know I I I try to be happy I got an interview but you know you kind of want to land it mm-hmm. and so I sat there and I said to myself there's something that there has to be a reason why I'm not getting this mm-hmm. you know,
0: from um, here here's what I can say about gaining experience I mean this is not just languages but you know, right. For any type of job, right. uh, all the companies want you to have experience. And when you're young, you're just out of school, you face this conundrum of, you know, I, I need experience, but nobody's hiring anybody without experience. So how do I you know, go about it? Uh, if, we, if, we, if we talk about just languages, I think there are many places where you can actually gain experience. Right. Uh, for example, you go on italki and you place yourself as a tutor uh and you know it's it's a matter of pricing so you know if you price it low enough to when you start uh then you could gain experience get a lot of feedback from your students uh you know which is real real life experience real life feedback uh that can allow you to to improve uh can allow you to gain that experience you can write that into your resume you said you you had this many students uh, and there's they have a a uh an evaluation system you know in terms of stars if, you, if you're a five star over i don't know 100 students or 200 students you right. know that says something right that's right. the kind of something i i think you could gain without being in a company or right. you know that's right. one example you know, link or or many of these uh these websites that allow you to become a tutor, uh, will right?
1: Do it. I've been doing just for my own, you know, experience. I've been helping people on WhatsApp and Facebook and some Messenger as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, but mean, it's got to be
0: documentable, though, right? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's the point. If uh, uh, if you want this type of experience that you could put on your CV, uh, right. that that looks legitimate, uh, like you're helping your 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 cousins or your friends uh or your you know acquaintances through informal channels it's harder for a for for an interviewer or, or an right. h uh, r partner to justify that because they could talk you know they could see it and, and they could maybe believe you uh, right. but when they bring that back into the company and go to the decision makers and right. it's hard to sort of convince them with with objective
1: oh, oh, yeah. oh trust me i mean because people seek me out all the time mm-hmm. Because they don't have enough American-speaking people to talk to. Yeah, you know wherever they may live in the world, which yeah, I don't.
0: So perhaps you could organize meetup groups uh, and have them join that, and then you sort of, and then you know you right. keep that going for a while. You say you organize meetup groups for for this many you know months or years.
1: Right. Yeah, because I I. I know that it's a very hard you know field to get into i mean because i mean i could teach at the school system level but i have doubts about Mm -hmm. teaching at the school system level at the moment given what's going on here in the states with all the school shootings and Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like I'm not putting myself through that, and I'm not putting my guide dog through that. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, well, it does sound like if you, if you teach online, that uh, would yeah. solve your problem. And Italki is a is is a channel. Italki link they they allow you to you know match with students uh, from anywhere around the world. Uh, right. uh, although the competition is likely pretty high, right. uh, you will have to you know go against quite a lot of people. Um, and it'll be hard, I think, to earn a living on that uh, right. at the beginning. Right. Yeah, but you need, you need to start somewhere, even if you start for free, uh, right. you need to get yourself out there known and, and, and assessed and evaluated and tested in, right. in the real, uh, language, uh, industry, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I, I, um, cause Chris and I were talking about this last week when I had, uh, Interviewed him for my
0: podcast. Mm-hmm. You've got and... some very, you know, you've got some great people on your podcast. You know, Lindsay, Kirsten, Chris, Jimmy. Uh, these are all folks who are, you know, well known in in the community. Uh, Shannon also. So, I mean, definitely, the, these are folks that add credibility to you uh, right. as a, as a podcast host right. uh, with these kind of kind of people. And 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 they also know. A lot, lots of the ins and outs of the industry and, and they could right. definitely guide you in, in whatever you want to do in, in the I, industry. I
1: I had told him, I said, you know, you and Ollie and Kirsten and um, Lindsay, Lindsay uh, were the reason mainly, I mean, I wanted to do a podcast, but I guess the way, I, I like the way they did their podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, I learned from everybody. So every interview I have heard, you know, I've, I I have never had a bad thing to say. <laughs> now there might've been a couple interviews where I was like, okay, this is boring as hell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but i still got something out of it even if I did think it was boring. Um, but I, I have to say as someone that, you know, is still new to the game a little bit, I've never been more welcomed in a community in my entire life, and
0: I've been oh, here for like 41 years. Well, so- you know, oh, the, the the polyglot conference, the, the polyglot gathering, and and langfest. You know, we we all we're all about inclusion. We're all about diversity. We're all about learning languages in a safe environment and acceptance, oh. and, and 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 supporting. Uh, it, it's you know, it's the right community to be in. <laughs> Oh,
1: yeah, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I have met some people that are visually impaired, or they're completely blind, a lot Mm -hmm. of them are completely blind, Mm -hmm. and they, they learn languages, you know, because it's their hobby, and they have another job on the side that they're doing, which is probably tech-related, because a lot of blind people are very tech-related, I mean, they could put computers apart, take them apart, put them together, and tell you how to do this, this, and I was like, you go right ahead, (laughs) 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 Uh, but, and the same token, like I, I, I have to say, you know, from just me being learning languages on an auditory perspective, or just because not just languages. I mean, I went through college doing that. Like, I just had a micro tape recorder and record my lectures and go back and you know start from the beginning and take my notes on my computer, listening to all this stuff and. Listening to books that were, you know, scanned into word files and using JAWS and making sure I don't fall asleep because <laughs> I gotta keep track of what page I'm on and all this. And I mean, yeah, I pretty much went through school that, doing that whole process of nothing but listening and, and absorbing. I, you know, because people ask, well, don't you write everything down? Like, no. Mm. <laughs> I I know how to write. I know how to type. But I said, you know, I, I pretty much like absorb everything and, and go back and revise certain stuff. If I, am you know, got a different grammar point wrong, I go back and find that grammar point and I'll work at it until I get it. And then I'll go and see if I can, you know, utilize whatever it is I'm trying to say. And if I did it wrong and someone to tell me after I'm done, you know, saying what I need to say and, you know but i mean i don't have like coded notebooks with with all this particular grammar point in red this in green this in blue you know no, no that's just not my style um you know so I like how can you learn anything just by absorbing it all i was like well if you're really interested in something you'll learn it i mean if you're yeah. not you're you're not going to learn it. I mean,
0: it's uh, just uh, that simple. It's, that's, it is that simple. I think.
1: Now, I had this one question to ask. Now, what what made you guys come up with Langfest?
0: <laughs> Thank you for that question. Now, uh, Langfest came about. Uh, it's it's very simple. Um, in 2015, the Polyglot Conference came over to North America for the first time. I remember. Uh yeah and I was in New York and and that was the year I came back from Asia. Uh mm-hmm. and I had been following polyglot conference uh a little bit before and it was always in Europe. It was hard for me to attend, but I came back to North America that year mm-hmm. and polyglot conference was in New York for the first time and it was a perfect opportunity for me to go uh, and finally uh geek out. <laughs> and uh and it was a, a fantastic event. Uh, I got to meet Richard and Alex and all the, those guys, and uh, and so when I came back, you know, the participants we were connected online and we sort of got together and we said, you know, maybe we need to do something local, you know, something, you know, a little weekend we get people together to just kind of like a meetup, right? Uh, just just about languages. Uh, we did a poll on where we would hold that. And, uh, and Montreal turned out to be, you know, the, the favorite place. And so uh, we, we started organizing things, thinking this is a, a little little thing, you know. We we'll try to invite some language friends that we know and get together in Montreal and have some fun. Um, and so Joey uh, Perugino, who was one of the other guys in Montreal uh, and myself, uh, we We led the this activity, but we sort of sort of went too far i guess <laughs> in a way in a way where you know I got Steve Kaufman to join we we contacted a few folks like benny and 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 some other guys. One thing led to another it just it just sort of grew beyond our expectations and um and that first event uh was huge uh, Chris was there uh and uh and so we thought, well, well, let's do it again. And last year uh, was we, we grew by like two, two hundred, three, two hundred, three hundred percent. You know, we had like about four hundred people uh, <laughs> right right from our second year. Uh, and so it sort of became a an annual thing without we without us really <laughs> you know intentionally uh, going going that way. And uh, we did our third edition this year. And we're now preparing our fourth edition uh, and it's become a Montreal staple, I guess. We're, we're hoping that, you know, people would recognize the Langfest Montreal uh, just the way they, they recognize Jazz Fest and, and and Just for Laughs Fest. and All right. <laughs> so oh, So awesome. there you go. That's yeah. how it came about.
1: That's awesome because I, I I was telling Kirsten and Lindsay I said, um, see I can get to Montreal. I only live in Ohio. <laughs> that's not that Well,
0: you definitely should. You, you would definitely be welcome here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kirsten and, and 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 Shannon and Lindsay, they've all presented at, at Langfest, and uh, you know, they're all great supporters. Yeah,
1: I. I tell my friends all the time um, because I I have other friends that learn languages that don't even live in you know they live like in Jamaica and other places, and they're like, "That is cool that there's something on this side of yeah." I'm like, "Yeah," because not a lot of people can go to Europe.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, that's how we started the idea. We figured, you know, we'll go to Polyglot Conference every once in a while, but you know, in the meantime, we'll we'll have our little thing here where a few friends that were, you know, in the community could get together, but it's just, it just sort of become a platform, uh, you know, just just like uh, the Polyglot Conference uh, and, and Polyglot Gathering are uh, on the other side of the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, and I mean, everybody's like, no, you should come to this. I'm like, honey, do you know how many American people actually have a passport in this country? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you- <laughs> I mean, you have to have, it, it, a lot of it is economical. I mm-hmm. mean, the United States is so big. People don't think about going, I mean, yeah, they will go to Canada. That I will say. Yeah. We'll go to Mexico. Or- about, you know,
0: a, a good bunch of our, our folks that come to Langfest are from the U.S., obviously. Yeah. It's a, a, a lot more than we, we'd expect. Uh, so.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Montreal is not that far. It isn't. It's yeah.
0: an easy, it's an it's, easy flight from uh, from many uh, cities in the U.S.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even if you were to drive, yeah, it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, very doable. Just to go from here to like Toronto is like a good six hours.
0: mm mm-hmm. okay. Another another four and a half from there. Yeah,
1: because uh, I've been to Toronto once. Like, I went on a singer trip. And okay. I'm, man, I love this place. This place is clean. <laughs> and and that was my, my first experience and then my I, my first language experience, language barrier experience was I was trying to get into my room and I didn't have the card uh, you know, in the right direction in order for me to put it through the little swipe thing that you have to swipe and <laughs> I <laughs> and I stopped this guy in French and I, I was trying to speak broken French <laughs> <laughs> And then he did it, he showed me, and he was like, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I mean, and then I was like, It's a win. It's a win. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, like, I I tell people all the time, you know, even if you know a little bit of something,
0: use it. It, Absolutely.
1: You'll never know if, you know, how much it'll help you, like, in the long run, you know, in regards to being able to communicate. Like, I, somebody wanted me to help someone learn braille and they were from Afghanistan and they spoke Dari and I actually went and decided I wanted to learn some Dari so I'll be able to communicate with this person, even if it was like basic words. Mm-hmm. And when I stepped into the room to meet this person, they couldn't even say, hello, my name is, I am from, thank you, goodbye. No, oh, that's too bad. And this is in English. And I was just mm. like, Okay, you want me to do what? <laughs> you know, so I was able to at least say hello. He they had an interpreter there, but it was his wife just had a baby, and I felt really bad because over in Afghanistan and different parts of the Middle East, if you're blind, you're shunned.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so it's it's very <laughs> they they have no opportunity to have an education, work, or do it. They have no rights. And so you know, I'm very much a human rights advocate too, mm-hmm. and disabilities rights advocate, and I I truly do believe that everyone has the opportunity to have an education, vote, and be a part of society just like yeah else and, absolutely. And and unfortunately, if you're going to shun somebody because they they have no physical vision, that doesn't mean they don't have a clear vision. Mm. They're just not being allowed to show what they can do. And that to me is just very sad. And I can understand why people want to come to the states or come to Canada or, you know, somewhere where they're they're able to to have you know a lot more freedom to make choices for themselves and 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 live a, a more freer life. And I I always tell people language is like the bridge that helps unite us more so than divide us. I think that if people had an opportunity to learn Chinese or Arabic or Japanese or or Korean or or whatever language, you know, they choose, they would be able to really understand another person and where they're coming from. And then to assume that everybody in the world speaks English, because not everybody in the world speaks English. No. You know, and that's that's just something that I, you know, I, I try to like let the people I do help know. I said, you know, don't assume that because someone's from Canada or the United States that all they do is eat pizza, hot dogs. <laughs> for, I mean, because I had someone say that to me on the mm-hmm. phone. I was like, "Excuse me for one minute," and I just started laughing.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> that's not all we eat. Um, you know.
0: Yeah. But- Speaking of eating, uh, Marissa, I gotta, I, I gotta log <laughs> off pretty soon. With, uh, got my my mom on my back with a uh, with a lunch <laughs> getting ready. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you so much for coming on. so i really appreciate it
0: this was most interesting Oh
1: yeah, well thank you
0: <laughs> and i That's wish cool. you good luck and, and and more and more uh you know big names uh, in yeah. the language community support yeah. you because uh we we see you we see you uh in in the polyglot the community group and uh, you know and uh, we see you uh, contrib- contributing your thoughts and, and views. And it's all very appreciated and uh, definitely an important member in the, in the community.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> do itashimashite Have you uh, learned that?
1: Yeah. Um, nice to meet
0: you. Nah, it's, you're welcome. Okay. You're welcome is one of the hardest words to learn in Japanese. I don't know why they make it so hard to say you're welcome.
1: was can <laughs> to be able to say "kinky visca"? <laughs> yeah, good,
0: good, good. <laughs> "Genki desu." <this>. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> but thank, very good. Thank you. Yeah, I I do have Michelle Thomas Japanese. I I I'm learning very slowly. I said that that in Chinese will be the last two languages I learn because. My goal is I want to watch Japanese horror movies. Well, wow, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> thank you Good luck. So thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.